Hey family, thank you for following and trusting the path that led you here. This is Flow Space, Conscious Conversations with J&D. I'm Jerrica. And I'm Deandra. Our discussions will be led by intuition and spirit as we continue to evolve and learn about what it means to live an earthly human experience. Hi, Gary. Gary. Very nice to see you. It's nice to see you all too. Yes, thank you for joining us again for a conversation. We're really excited to have you back. Yeah, well, thank you. Well, I'm happy to be back. Yes. Did did you ever find out what happened, why they took uh, our podcast down? Yeah, so Spotify responded to our email today. They're giving us the runaround. It's insane. But that's why, that's how you know when you're sharing the truth and how powerful what you're sharing is. Because you have the other side trying to do all kinds of different agendas. Yeah, so elaborately, too. Such a thought-out agenda to put upon one person. So it really speaks to the power of even just one person speaking out for what they believe and what they're discovering behind the veil of illusions that exists. Yeah, Yeah, they, they will do anything and everything to keep the veil intact so that people can't see behind it. Yeah, and that's honestly what motivated us. Um, We love your wisdom and things that you have shared. So that's what motivated us to have you as a repeat guest so that we could get a little bit deeper into concepts on somebody standing in their truth, despite all of these agendas that are out there to keep us out of our purpose and our power. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Gary, um, it'll lead us to the first question. How do you remain solid in your knowing despite any outside noise or influence or attempts to silence you and your beliefs? Yeah, Uh, that's a good question. Let me turn off my phone just in case here. Um, You know, ever since I was small, it's like I I knew what I knew. It was uh, but but I didn't know that much. <laughs> I mean, I was a kid, but, but, uh, and actually I, I knew, I should say that I knew something was wrong, but I didn't know what was right. You know, I could sense in my being because I didn't, wasn't illumined to truth. I didn't really know what truth was. I just know that knew that what, that, which I saw was, which was not truth. And I would say that was, uh, you, you disappeared. There you oh. are. Okay. Yeah, you're back. Okay. Um, and, you know, and that, that happened to me throughout school, you know, that I hated school because I didn't know why. I, I just knew I hated it. And now looking back, I realized that, you know, every class was just filled with lies and deceptions and delusions or manipulations, you know, t- attempting to form us into, into these little robotrons that would just abide by, you know, all the rules that are given to us from, from you know the those the powerful and the elite, and of course they've taken you know we identify them as government now or big corporations because they are because they've taken you know they they've been uh, you know in in positions of high power wherever they can fill them at every level and every organization. So you know their purpose is to control us uh, because that's what people 
in positions of power that are not moral creatures. That's what they attempt to do. So, so that's, but that's something I look back. I didn't know that growing up. I just was a rebel. My expression of, of, of standing, you know, against it was to rebel against it, you know, to fight against it. And, you know, and so I was a juvenile delinquent, but, but not for the sake, because I love doing evil. It's just, I, I mean, that I, yeah, I didn't love doing evil. I just hated that, which was being imposed upon me. And my, my, expression was to lash out against it. The only way I knew how it was as an immature, you know, child or teenager. Uh, but, you know, that, and so, I mean, all of that really, it drew me as a young man. My father, my, um, my brother was murdered in, during a, in a gang fight. And, um, and that kind of woke me up to realizing, you know, that life is, there's more to life. There's death, you know, death occurs and our lives could end at any time. And, you know, what is, what's the purpose of life? You know, where's truth? Where's, and, and, you know, and I, and I had a, an emptiness inside of me and, you know, I couldn't find it. And of course I couldn't find my vocational calling in school, at least for me personally, you know, I didn't know what I was here for. You know, I just, I thought, what am I, what am I doing on this earth? And, uh, and finally I did, when I was in college, I did get involved in a ocean technology program and I absolutely, I went from, from being a high school dropout to being, you know, an honor student because I loved what I was doing. But, in, but as soon as I had accomplished that and realized that, you know, I was finding my vocation, I was still empty on the inside. And, and I thought, what's going on? What's, you know, here I, I thought that, you know, I'd find, you know, fulfillment in my vocation, but I was still empty. And so then I was on a, a quest to find out, well, you know, how, how, what is truth? You know, and so I started seeking out for a higher being, you know, and this was during the time of the uh, early 70s, you know, when, you know, there was, there were gurus and things like that. And, and, uh, and I remember going back home after leaving college and, and uh, there was a conference on the new age, on new age, uh, a conference on the new age, new age, you know, phenomena at Miami Beach Convention Center. So I thought, well, I, you know, I wanna go there and check out all these different organizations and to find truth. Can you hear that rain? Yeah, it's, it's okay. yeah. yeah, I can hardly hear myself, wow. Uh, but anyways, uh, uh, so there were about, I don't know, 50 booths there, you know, everything from the, you know, uh, Dalai Lama to Hinduism to, uh, all, just all the different, you know, different religions of the world and philosophies. And, and I went from booth to booth seeking truth, you know, seeking, is this the truth? Is there truth in it? And, and again, it was like I knew, I didn't know what truth was, but I knew what it was. And so I just, and after spending the day at this, at this uh, uh, conference or, you know, this, this gathering, uh, I realized that what I was looking for wasn't there. Truth wasn't there. And, and it was kind of like a momentous time because it was like all every philosophy and religion of the world was there, except for, you know, your mainstream stuff, which wouldn't have anything to do with these people. Uh, but I realized whatever, you know, this like gave me the opportunity to realize, well, I, what I'm looking for is not here. And on the way home, uh, I was I drove my 10 speed about 30 miles home from Miami Beach to South Miami. 
and I ran into an old friend on the corner of Brickell Avenue, which is downtown, a very elite section of Miami. I was driving through it on my bike, and he's passing out these pamphlets. And, uh, and I just stopped and talked to him. I hadn't seen him in years, and we just were small talking. And, and he, he said, well, you need to check it. Yeah, I told him where he was. He said, oh, if you're looking for God, you, you, you'll find him here. I thought, oh, okay, well, you know, I'm, I'm looking, I'm searching, so I'm open to anything. So he gave me a pamphlet, and he pointed me across the street to this big mansion that had been uh, purchased by this group called the Church of Scientology. And I didn't know what it was, but I walked in the front door, and there was a big living room. It was very comfortable, you know, inviting, hospitable, and there was somebody in there. And he sat me down with another group of people uh, that had gathered, I don't know, four or five people. And, and so he just explain he says you know if you're searching for god you don't have to be he was appealing to the mainstream american person you know he said you don't have to be a methodist or a presbyterian or this or that or the other thing he says you can find god here no matter what religion you are i thought well that sounds good because i wasn't you know i had i had been through the mainstream religion growing up and i rejected that as well so i had come to the conclusion just on my own that that you know, again, I didn't see truth there. So I thought, okay, that's this sounds legitimate. You know, it's like he's eliminating all these things that I've already eliminated. So here we'll check out who this God is. And so I, so he invited me back that night. I had to pay $35, which at that time was probably $100 now. And I was a kid. That was a lot of money. But I thought, you know, I was, I was hungry. So I came back that night and, and, uh, and they had this large room with the with those uh, projector film. Back then they didn't have video and they didn't have, you know, computers, of course. It was just this film on a reel. And so they started the film and I'm sitting there in the dark watching us like in a little, you know, home movie theater. And this guy comes out on the screen dressed like a Roman Catholic priest. And I immediately just went, you know, just like, like, uh oh, warning signs, warning signs. And he started to speak, and I immediately thought, "This okay? It's another elimination. Forget it. I'm not, you know, I, I just knew right away." And as I'm thinking this, somebody behind me whispered in the in my ear, and they said, "Gary, what you're looking for, you will not find here. All you need is Jesus Christ." And I looked around, and there was nobody there. And I thought, "Who just who just said that to me?" And and I and it just it jolted me because I thought, and what he said. That resounded with me. I didn't, for whatever reason, the Jesus that I had been introduced to in Roman Catholicism and and then in you know these other mainstream religions that I you know that I was introduced to through friends or whatever growing up, you know it just didn't resound. But but whatever, just that truth. It's like that was truth. I just immediately thought yes, but I didn't know what it meant. I just knew this was it, but I didn't know what it was. But I thought, okay, well, now I'm, so I said, yes, I just in my heart, I thought, yes, what I'm looking for, I'm not going to find here. All I need is Jesus Christ. So I went outside and I asked for my money back and they wouldn't give me my money back. I'm arguing back and forth. <laughs> and finally, you know, I said, listen, all what I'm looking for, I'm not going to find here. All I need is Jesus Christ. And as soon as I, as I said that, I went, well, what did I just say? I can't believe I just said that out loud that I just, what, you know, what am I doing? But I meant it and I believed it, even though I didn't understand it. And so I left and he was they, they were reciting Bible verses to me as I'm walking out to my car and I got in my car and left. And I went home and, and uh, I had been given a Bible by, a, by a, a 
girlfriend's parents it had been sitting in my shelf and um uh and then and there was another book there that they had given me called it was just called basic christianity and all it was it wasn't from any religious group it was just explaining what the gospel of jesus christ was and and as i read it i just i i it was very simple a simple presentation of who jesus was it was just explaining the gospels and uh, when I got through with it, there was, you know, I, it all resounded. It's like, okay, this is truth for, for whatever reason. It was just, you know, it was just these, just the gospels explained and it resounded with me. And at the end there was a, what was called a sinner's prayer. And it was just, um, you know, an invitation to confess your, your wrongdoing, you know, your sins of your life. And I had a lot of, a lot of, you know, things like many teenagers do, you know, my life that I was uh, remorseful of, at least at that point, right then I was, up until then I wasn't, you know, I just knew I shouldn't be doing certain things, but I didn't know why, I just kind of felt guilty if I was doing things, you know, I, and so I, I just, I got down on my knees and I said, Jesus, I believe you're the son of God, I believe you're the God man, you're man who, you're, you're God who became man, and, and I, I want to invite you in my life to, to, you know, I want to be, I, I want to change my life, and uh, and I and I was crying, bawling over, you know, as I'm confessing all these sins I had committed over, you know, my years as a teenager, and uh, and, I, and then I got up all excited. I went in. It was midnight after midnight. I went in and woke up my parents. I was like a little kid. I said, "Mom, Dad, you wouldn't believe what just happened to me," and I I, I said, I, "I just I don't remember the words I used, but it's probably something like you know." Uh, I, I believe in Jesus Christ, or I just became a Christian, a follower of Jesus. And <laughs> I can remember they just kind of went, "Oh, that's very nice, Gary. We're 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 happy that you're happy." And then, you know, they they said, you know, they just went back to bed, and I went back to my room. But that's what started the journey. And and uh, but the thing was, when you're again, I was an ignorant kid. I just knew I believed in Jesus, but that's all I knew. I didn't know anything else. And then, of course. Through that, um, I began to search out this who Jesus was and where he was, and and every organization, you know, I, I just uh, it was a long journey of of finding the truth because there are many organizations that use the name of Jesus. Let's just like there's people that you know take something valuable, even though the American dollar is not you know it's worthless, but it's valuable. I mean, we consider it valuable, right? So there's a lot of counterfeits. Uh, people take something that's valuable and they want to make a counterfeit of it because, you know, they can get rich off of it. And and in the same way, there's many counterfeits in the world of who Jesus is. And and um, and that was a, a lifelong journey of, again, saying, you know, truth isn't here. It's somewhere, but it's not here. And I didn't know where, but I kept searching until I finally, at the same time that I I knew that the name of Jesus was a powerful, you know, that it represented God, the creator, having become man so that we could identify with him and be drawn to him and and become one with him to become the creatures that he meant for us to be because he created us from his own hands. And and so uh, so that that journey, uh, you know, I, I that resounded with me, um, but yet finding that place where I could thrive in a healthy environment was a, was a lifelong journey uh, because America, especially in America, because it's filled, it's completely filled with corruption. But so, I mean, to make a long story short, uh, I would say that, you know, what, where do I find my, 
my center of being? Where do I find that stability? Where do I find that ability to to stand on something when no one around me is is believing it or or I'm being challenged? That's it. It's it's having having by by God's grace uh, connected with Him at an early time because He is truth. He's the author of truth. You know, He I I connected with the one who created heaven and earth. You know that to me it's mind boggling. I became, you know, I've, I'm becoming one with him. I haven't become one by any means. I'm just, you know, a stumbling, bumbling, you know, man that's living on earth. But uh, so that that's where my stability is. It's in it's in the God man, Jesus, who is teaching me how to become a perfect man. That's beyond powerful and it's so beautiful. Yeah, a beautiful story, very full circle and enriching. So thank you for taking the long route in that answer. Yeah, because it, it provides so much um, like visualization as you speak so that somebody who is listening can see how that can be um, applicable in their own life. And the question that comes to mind is like you emphasized you didn't know what truth is or like, was, but you knew what it wasn't. In the moments that you felt closer to truth, how did that feel for you that it was like, okay, like this is feeling more real of what it actually is, as opposed to all of this, like BS that has been created to block me from truth? Yeah. Well, you know, even we can think we know truth and I can say I've fallen into this camp or this pit as well. It's a camp and a pit. It's a camp where others dwell, where many dwell, where most people dwell. And that's believing that you embrace the truth, that you are living in the truth, that you are thinking in a truthful manner, but you're not. You're being deceived. And that's where uh, there, there, there are a number of factors that affect that. One is our own brokenness as human beings and our inability to, to think clearly, even though we think we're thinking clearly. Uh, and number two would be the world that influences us with with cultural moral you know pressures of if you think a certain way you'll be you know you don't want to be mocked or ridiculed or put into a particular camp so you don't want to think that way you know so that's another uh, hindrance to embracing truth or 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 to thinking that you're in the truth and then the third would be the most powerful and that's the spiritual realm which uh, with, which would uh, encompass the demons and, and the evil side, you know, uh, because they're invisible, they're powerful, they've been on earth longer than any of us, you know, every demon is, you know, they're thousands of years old, they didn't, they don't sleep, they don't eat, uh, all they do is connive, just as God is pure love, the demons are pure darkness and hatred, they're everything that God isn't, they, they are against everything God God is, and their goal is to destroy humankind, but to do it in a way which we will co cooperate with, where we will go to our own, we'll, we'll create our own demise through their influences, but, but not knowing that it's really these demons that are influencing us. It's a very conniving, cunning, very deep and dark influence. Um, but it's, and then you say, well, why is this allowed? Why, you know, if God is pure love and God is all powerful and all knowing and all present, how could he allow for these, these dark and, and 
wretched source, you know, beings to to be, have an influence on us. And and yet it's in his infinite wisdom. For me personally, I can say that uh, that it's it's strengthened me because it's a battle. It's like going to war. And if I don't if I don't stand firm, if I don't have my full armor on, I'm going to be taken out. So I have to be so I have to be alert all the time. It's just like being on the ocean and sailing. You know, you have to watch out for the winds and the storms and the reefs and and, you know, and the sharks and the big whale, you know, the whales or whatever. You know, you have to watch out for all these things. Or if you're in the forest hiking, you have to watch out for, you know, falling off a cliff or or being eaten by a, you know, a bear or whatever, you know, or being struck by lightning, all the natural forces just of the earth, you know, we're always on guard, right? It's just some things we're on, we're so used to being on guard because it's a path we take every day. So we know, you know, it's like all ingrained in us. And, and that's the way uh, life is. So there are all these forces against us that, that, uh, that, you know, that can, cause us to think that we're in a stable state when we're when we're really not uh yeah did i answer your question i'm sorry i might have gotten sidetracked no you answered it perfectly because it brings forward the notion of like these distractions and how we can allow distractions to contribute to our own downfall or demise like you mentioned um and I really want to highlight like the importance of discernment because of this and like using discernment to know what feels truest or best for ourselves. Yeah. And I feel what you shared initially in your story, Gary, was the highlight of your connection to your intuition, even if that may not be the word you used for it and how you continue to cultivate that through the decisions that you made and through what you decided wasn't real and was false, which allowed you to continue seeking what was true for you. Um, can you speak to your connection to your intuition, your intuition that allowed you to um, arrive to where you are now with your connection that um, allows you to remain in your center? Yeah. Uh you know, I would say that you know, discernment, I mean, everything good is a gift from God, you know, and each of us have particular gifts and strengths that make us unique and and that allow us to be able to contribute to to the welfare of one another. You know, if we're if we're living in, you know, in sync with our purpose and and. For whatever reason, yeah, God gave me, I believe, the gift of discernment, uh, and and as a result of that, I, you know, I can I can look at things, and I can know immediately. It's something I've always had since I was little. I can know when something isn't right. I can just look. I just as soon as I, it's like there's a frequency. There's there's a there's a there's an aura which is, I believe, based on frequency, whether it's, you know, it's just mental frequencies that come, you know, that emanate from people or, or just apparent frequencies that come from, from a corrupted source, you know, anything that's not in its natural state of being, whether it's mentally or physically, emotionally, emits a frequency that's, that's also not in a state of congruence or harmony or, or synchronicity, synchronicity with, with nature. And so, it's like I've got that meter in me that says uh, I immediately know when something is like out of tune, 
you know, it's like I have a musical, I, I, you know, I'm musically deficient and disabled and handicapped, you know, as far as musical instruments, but that, that music of, of life, of emotions and, and mental pain, I, 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 I know it when I hear it. I know what isn't right and I know what is right, or I know what is in tune and I know what isn't in tune. And, but yet that's not just, that just doesn't come from cultivating my own inward uh, senses. It comes also from just like anything, you know, a great violinist has to practice all the time, right? Uh, or, or someone who is, uh, uh, you know, an athlete, they have to practice all the time. I mean, practice makes perfect, right? So it, for me, it's been a matter of practicing the, the, uh, the exercise of prayer and reading and contemplation and research and experimentation, whether that's on a physical level like working with water or whether it's on a spiritual level of working with my own mental uh, challenges or, uh, or relationships with others. It's a matter of always seeking to improve upon the, those, uh, those actions so that they're congruent with love. Because that's, you know, or congruent with, with nature or congruent with what's natural. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And on your um, on your website, you mentioned how each of us can change not only ourselves, but those around us, um, including our environment by the power of speech, the power of prayer and the power of the written word. And I feel that touches upon what you just shared. Um, can you just go a little bit into the power of each of these things and how they can have such rewarding and grand changes to not only ourselves but those around us sure you know anything we focus on we, we have the power we're creators right anything we focus on we can have an impact on and in a beneficial way or a detrimental way and and when and prayer is simply coming into the presence of god connecting with god having a communication line open with God, a relationship open with God, and, or, or with those who are God-like. And prayer is a, is a, it's a, it's a language that's non, or it's not an earthly language. It's a heavenly language. It's the language not of this world. And what I mean by that is that, and, and any of us can practice it starting today, right now. It's not, it's not as challenging to learn as, say, Greek or Russian or Spanish, because the most simplistic person can do it, uh, but it does. It's discipline, though. You do need discipline, and that's something. But that's something all of us can attain, you know, no matter what our condition. And and so this language of prayer is something that that occurs not only with God in heaven, but with all the what we would call the saints or the angel and the angels, uh, who are those that that. Uh, have attained to perfection. They live this life in such a manner that they, they were, they they became one with God before they left this earth, and they, that was manifested through miracles and and wonders. And so now they dwell in heaven with God, and they're there to help us to become better people, to to overcome the challenges that we face. Just because that's that's the purpose of you know of humanity is i mean in our perfect state we're here we're here to love one another to support one another to commune with another one another in a way where we can nurture and 
and, and feed and, and help and clean and, and protect one another. So this is so when we're the language of prayer is this is a connection with those that are in a state where not only we're praying to them, but we're opening the way for them to be able to influence our life because we're asking for them to influence us. And when we open ourselves up to others, we're becoming vulnerable, right? Well, you know, and this is by faith, by trust, and a hope in that they love us and that they're going to watch out for us in ways that we can't because they're in a place where they can see beyond what we can see and they can know beyond what we know. So, uh, so it's a very powerful uh, practice. Uh, as far as the written word, the written word is, you know, when I say the word, you know, of course, speech is powerful and speech, you know, written in a printed form is very powerful. Uh, and when it's when it's the written word of God, it's it's the most powerful. It's perfect. Everything, everything really that that's the pinnacle. And and the more you know powerful a speech or the word is, uh, in a in a beneficial way, then the more likely it is it's congruent with God's will, God's word, God's mind. And so if you're exposing yourself to that speech, to that written, you know, to those to that speech put into a printed form. Uh, and it's and it's godlike, then you're, it's going to influence you because that's what you know. That's what the, uh, that's what it does. That's what what any uh, written beneficial words do. They just they inspire us, they encourage us, they cause us to you know to strive for that which is something above what we are you know in right now. Uh, yeah. So those are two practices that are very important you know to be in the right you know we we can be in prayer and again it's and again there's deception though we can be deceived by the written word thinking that it's right but it's not or that it may have nuggets of truth in it and because we see that truth we overlook the things that are false and that can have a detrimental influence on our life and in the same way in prayer being a heavenly language we can we can connect with with uh demons that portray themselves as angels of light who portray themselves as some spiritual being that is uh is is you know uh holy or loving and and they can lead us astray as well so uh, you know at every there's there's pitfalls and uh you know uh, dangers to be aware of you know in every every moment of every day and every action and every you know exercise that we're engaged in that is amazing because of how powerful and life-changing these very simple but tangible practices are and how they can continue to grow um, and then in turn grow our life. How or what did you experience in the beginning of incorporating these practices that affirmed the power that they hold? Well, you know, when I... As a young man, just seeking after truth, I just knew I wanted to embrace truth. I wanted to embrace, I wanted to find my my purpose in life. And I mean, I really, I didn't, I didn't know much anything other than that's what I wanted. And I can remember uh, coming to Idaho. I left Florida. I, I'd been involved with the drug drug trade. I mean, not the drug trade and drug culture. I wasn't a drug dealer. I never wanted to do that, but yet I was involved. All my friends were. 
And so I, and this was right when it was beginning in America and Miami and South Miami, you know, was a very, that was like the epicenter of all this. And I was right in the middle of it. Um, and so my, you know, and I needed to get, I knew I needed to get out of there. Um, I wasn't, you know, my friends were very comfortable in all the, you know, this culture and I was very uncomfortable. I did not like it, but I knew nothing else because I grew up with these people. And so I, I realized the only way to escape it was to leave. And so, and at that time, at the time I determined that, after I determined that, that's when I came into this relationship, this awareness of, of the God-man Jesus as being the savior of the world. And so that kind of helped me, uh, you know, and that, that was just like, that guided my life from there as I was leaving Florida. Cause I really, I didn't know where I was, I didn't know what I was doing. I just knew I wanted to get out of Florida so I picked Idaho out of an atlas because they didn't have computers then. And I just was going through an atlas. I thought, and as I was reading about Idaho, it said it's, uh, I was a naive kid. It said, uh, that, you know, Idaho is God's country and it was all mountains and lakes and, you know, nature. I thought that's where I want to go. <laughs> so, so that's where I went. And, and on the way out, uh, I took a bus. I left everything I had behind. Uh, my, I had a sailboat. I had scuba diving gear and, uh, surfboard, you know, all these water sports oriented uh, things. And I just, I left it all behind. And I got on a bus with just a suitcase. And, and I remember on the bus, dri um, as we we're driving out to Idaho, it took like five days or something. I was walking up and down the aisle of the bus asking people, did they know, did, uh, did they know Jesus Christ? It's like, I just met the greatest friend in the world, the greatest person in the world. And I wanted everybody around me to, to meet him, too. So I'm walking up and saying, do you know who Jesus Christ is? You know, can I tell you about you? And, and every single person, that's nice. Thank you. you know, or, you know, no, I'm, I'm not really interested. But it's like, I thought, what's wrong with these people? <laughs> and um, but I didn't I befriended one guy. And when I got to Moscow, Idaho, he invited me to stay at his house. And he was a hippie. And so I went to his house and it was just filled with it was a party house. I, I didn't know that, you know. So I'm sitting on the couch, and this is what I came out of. So I went 3,000 miles across the country, uh, leaving that which I had been engrossed. And, and here I am. I thought I came to Idaho. I thought I wanted to be in God's country, <laughs> you know, in nature and with the and with lakes and mountains and forests. And and uh, we got into Moscow, and I took me to his house, and and it was just partying. It was just drugs and whatever and i remember sitting on the couch looking around saying, what is going on this is why i left how did i end up right back in the same place i just left <laughs> but i you know but i was not, i had no interest it's like i was deep within myself just ignoring everything around me so i woke up the next morning and just was walking down main street of this little beautiful town moscow idaho which is truly a, a small town with the main street, you know, and that's where the life is. And, and the first place I came to, it was, it was about noon when I finally, you know, got out of there and, uh, and I, I, and where did I go? I went to the first place that opened. I, this place was right before me as a bar. And of course I spent a lot of time in bars. So I walked in because I thought I'm just, I'm going to go get a beer. Uh, and so I had a beer and then I had a smoke and I thought, what am I doing? I'm just drinking the smoke. No, I'm just, even though this was something I voluntarily did, I thought, what am I doing? And so I left there thinking, 
you know, where am I headed? What's, what am I doing with my life? And the next door was uh, this Christian bookstore. And so I walked in the front door and this, this, this older man uh, came walking up to me and shook, shook my hand and was just befriended me, you know, like a very friend. I thought, boy, this is this storekeeper is a pretty friendly guy. And and uh, so he started asking me 100 questions and he determined that I was a new this newborn Christian young man. And so he, and so he said, well, this is, he, he he gave me uh, addresses and numbers and said, you need to get in touch with these people. and You need to go here and there and do this. And then I thought, OK, good. Now I'm getting on the right track. So that's how I got in with all these young Christian, you know, sincerely seeking truth, seek, young seekers of truth. And, you know, even though it wasn't all, you know, we were naive and young, but we were seekers of truth. And um, so that's that was what got me started on this path. And, you know, this I would say that God, my guardian angel, whatever, was watching out for me, because it's like all of us tend to just we get in these tracks of life in the groove. And we just that's you know, we get in these ruts and that's where we stay. We go where we're used to going or we're even led to where you know we're used to being led and so you know i believe that there was probably this spiritual battle going on for my soul where those the demons that had been with me all my life that were leading me into all this troublesome activity were there doing the same thing and but now i had you know but now i was open you know sincerely i connected with the god man i connected with with his angels and now and I was asking him, you know, I was asking for help and guidance. And so he was giving it. But if I didn't ask, it's like ask and you'll you will receive. Knock and the door will be opened. See, you know, seek and you'll find. If you don't do that, then you're just gonna be influenced by that which is natural, which is unfortunately not the you know forces of good. So that's really what got me on the right path and kept me on the right path up until you know this day is is the is the my my guardian angel and my my sincere desire and you know to to walk the straight and narrow path you know of the of the um, what I would call orthodox life you know the orthodox Christian life and and um, yeah so it's again it's it's not only the written word and prayer but it's this you know but this physical uh, intercession and protection. Yeah. And you mentioned, you know, like the spiritual warfare, which is something that I definitely believe happens for each of our souls. There's this spiritual warfare um, always occurring. Do you have any inclination or any thoughts? I know it's all just like hypothesis, but any inclination as to why that occurs and also why things have been created to disrupt us and separate us uh, from the natural flow of nature? Yeah. Well, you know, the, the way it, it's taught in in the scriptures and, you know, when when I say this, when I speak as a, you know, I, I, I sound like a Christian, right, an, an American Christian, um, but that that's a corrupted. So, I, you know, I want to make clear I am not an American Christian. I don't believe the same way that the American religious uh, uh, culture believes. We talk the same word, we talk the same talk, and we share some of the same thoughts. But beyond that, it's it's not the same. It's you know one is real, one is one is I would say fake, not real. 
uh, are they are they truth seekers? Yes. Are they sincere? Yes. Uh, but they're they're sincerely misled, and uh, and their truth is corrupted. So you know, so so as I speak about the scriptures and things, I want to make that clear that that uh, I'm not you know I'm not in that camp. But um, but we embrace many of the same concepts. We just apply them differently. Uh, but you know, in the beginning, when God created uh, heaven and earth, and he, cre he created the heavens and the earth for us. It was all created for us. It wasn't, you know, we're not animistic. We're, we're, and we're not even, we're, we're humanistic, but we're, we're also uh, created in the image of God. So the problem with modern culture is that we're humanist. We believe in the deity of, of humankind, but we don't believe in God. Or we believe, we'll believe in spirits. We'll believe in, in uh, the Christ spirit, you know. But we don't believe in in Christ, the God Man. We don't believe in God, the Creator. We don't connect with Him. We correct. We we connect with this force or this this uh, this concept, but it's not a being, a personal being. Whereas. God is a person. His person was manifested to us through Jesus Christ, a man. And God did that so he could identify with us, so we could identify with him. Not so, and so we could become one. Because without Jesus, there, we cannot know God because he's unknowable. He's, he's unreachable. He's unfathomable. He's, you know, we can't embrace him. But God formed himself in such a way that he could draw us to him through Christ. Because that that's it's like a magnet you know he, he's like the god magnet that just pulls us in for those that are truly seeking uh, but uh, the the problem was that when god created mankind adam and eve uh he only gave them one one uh uh rule of you know one thou shalt not and that was thou shalt not eat from this tree of the knowledge of good and evil and and by doing so it's not that they shouldn't know the difference between good and evil. It's just they were not mature enough to be able to deal with it in the proper way. So out of love for us, he said, stay away from this tree. You're not you're not mature enough to deal with with what will happen to you if you eat this fruit. Um, but they but through the influence of the evil one, uh, they ate. And, you know, it's like the it's like the apple on the Apple computer, you know, with the bite out of it. That's really a reflection. That's like a. And that's like a throwing in God's face saying, ha, we ate. And now look, we know all we have access to all this good and all this evil through the computer because we do. Right. We have access to anything we want to know, whether it's good or evil. You can access the most darkest, most gross, most despicable things in the world through the computer. Or you can access, although you can't you can't access uh, the height of good because it's not. It's not within the realm of God's will. And so our modern culture is, is a manifestation of what Adam and Eve committed in the very beginning. Here, thousands of years later, we're only becoming more sophisticated in having uh, practiced that which we were not supposed to have been exposed to until we were more perfected as human beings. So that, that was the fall of mankind. And it, because of that fall to this day, uh, it's been... You know, because of that, death, um, God introduced death into the world. Why did he do? He didn't make us to die. He made us to live forever, to be immortal. But 
to be immortal in a state of brokenness is hell. Because in a state of brokenness for your whole, for all eternity, there's nothing worse than that. And we think that, you know, and, and it's, so he introduced death into the world as a means to, to cut off our life, to say life is going to end. So it kind of, you know, it, it shook us into this reality of, you know, we're not going to live forever, even though we're supposed to live forever. And, and by doing so, it was part of the process of then introducing salvation for us or a remedy for our brokenness or our disobedience by eating of that fruit, that tree of life, of good and evil. By doing so, he introduced death, which then, you know, gave a, which stopped short uh, that eternal suffering. But he, but, uh, and then Christ, he introduced Christ. He became, he himself became as a child and who grew into a man to draw us back to himself. And then that man, Christ had to die for, on our behalf in order to conquer death. And in conquering death, all those that trust in him have now conquered death. So now we can live forever. And now we have that hope of living forever in a state of perfection, because that's what we're all seeking after. And we have that, you know, that, so now we have that hope. So that, that is really the message of life. That's the message. That's the, there's no, that message as much as I butchered it is the most important message in the history of the world. The most important message that anyone could ever, ever embrace. There's nothing more important than that. No matter what you do in your life, if you're not, if if you have not connected with the God-Man Christ, so that you can live forever in a state of, with you know, in a state of becoming like God, which is as He meant us to be, and an internal relationship with not only God but all those who are God seekers, and it's a community of of perfect love, and love is you know where, uh, you know, perfect nurturing, perfect mothering and fathering where everyone contributes and helps one another. That's, that's, the, that's the world that is coming for those that are, are seeking it and embracing you know, the, the way to get into it, which is through Jesus Christ, the God-man. Yes. Amen to heaven on earth. I'm here for it. <laughs> Thank you for that, Gary. Um, <laughs> I like how you, um, how you shared the, that whole story because it brings a very gentle approach, I feel, to something that a lot of people have this like fear or like heaviness to, you know, like the different sins and like the darkness that does still occur here on this planet based on like that origin story from us taking that fruit before we were ready to hold the knowledge. Um, and I wanted to see like somebody who is awakening to the truth and removing all of these veils, it can be a scary time, you know, like when you start realizing that our water is poisoned, our food is poisoned, our healthcare is poisoned, the world is just ruled by fear and greed, mm -hmm. that can cause anxiety. I know a lot of people just rather have like a blind eye to it, the ignorance is bliss approach, because there can be so much fear when connecting with that reality. Um, how can one maneuver that space, you know, when seeking truth so that it can be a more gentle approach on the mind, body, and soul? How can we go through that? I, I think it would be, and what comes to mind is a child and his mother. You know, a child is completely uh, defenseless. You know, a, a baby has no defense against anything, cannot defend itself against 
you know, any kind of poison, any kind of environmental, you know, assault, any, you know, assault from another human being. You know, it's the mother, the, the nurturing of the mother that protects, feeds and cleans that child. And in, in the same way, nature does that for us, but it's broken because nature reflects our brokenness. Nature grieves and groans because of our actions, because our actions have a direct result on our environment, whether it's whether it's the you know the the water or the air or this or this land, uh, whether it's you know body, mind, and soul, food, water, and medicine. Every our thoughts are what corrupt all those things. And and as we can see, all around us in all of those areas, land, sea, and air, body, mind, and soul, uh, uh, food, water, and medicine. Everything is corrupted and becoming more corrupted. And that is as a direct consequence of our brokenness. The more we try to fix it ourselves, the more we mess it up. And that's because we are in rebellion against our creator and we have not connected with him. There is no way out of this mess except to, to connect with our creator and to become one with him and then to put our hope not in this world, or not in any man or what they can, you know, what's some savior of this world. I mean, some, you know, human savior. Um, it, it's, it, and by putting our trust in God and in what, you know, he tells us this earth is going to end. He's going to allow us to, he's going to intervene eventually and come back and destroy the world and make it new again uh, and undo all that we've, we've done. And, and at that same time that he does that, he's also going to bring bring into his kingdom all those that embrace and want to be with him. And then those that want to be with him, he will give a new earth, a new heaven to, which will be a place of perfect habitation for all eternity. But for those who want to have nothing to do with him, out of respect for their will, you know, if... If, uh, you know, you can't force somebody to love you. And for those that don't love him, that don't want to be with him, they'll go to a place where they they will not be with God. But to be to not be with God in this place, you know, right now we're in this transition time. There We can be apart from God, but yet be enjoying all these temporal blessings, you know, of this earth. But there's going to come a time when when uh, this this Time, this time of trial, this time of an opportunity to choose is going to end. And after that time ends, which will be at the end of our life, uh, we won't be able to choose anymore. What The way we die is the way we're going to stay for all eternity. And and if we're with one with God, that will be perfect bliss, perfect joy, perfect love. But if we're not with him and we're living in, you know, in a in a way apart from him, then that's darkness because God is light. And to not be in the light is to be in the darkness. And the darkness is where those dwell that don't want to be with God, that want to do things that are ungodly, and that want to do things that are, you know, that are, uh, you know, based on darkness. And that will be a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth and of suffering for all eternity. And it's unimaginable, I mean, to think that. But yet that's what so many are choosing out of, you know, just out of ignorance. You know, they know not what, you know, just like when Christ was on the cross, they were, just like when the Pharisees were had, were putting the God-man 
to death. You know, he claimed to be the savior. Of the, he was the Messiah. He was the Messiah of the Jews. They, you know, he, they had been looking for their Messiah for thousands of years. And when he finally came, they said, we don't want to have anything to do with you. And they crucified him. And, and on the cross, God himself allowed these men to crucify him. And he and, and he did it out of love. And he said, and on the cross, his last words, one, some of his last words were, forgive them for they know not what they do. And that's the condition of the world today. So many don't know what they're doing by turning away from God. It blows my mind when I think of it. Like, how can anybody turn away from it? Like, who would want to be in this suffering or this? But I get it. Like, you know, everybody's on their journey. I trust in that, that everybody will awaken when they're meant to. But there's like a deep urge in me that's just like, wake up, everyone, you know, like come to this realization just so that not only do you help yourself, but we help each other, the planet, like all in existence. Yeah, and ease the suffering because it is an it's a choice to live in that state of suffering. Mm -hmm. And you saying that at the end of our life is when um, the decision of whether we choose to connect or not will ultimately um, set our fate. It reminds me of um, the choice we have every day and the... Um, the energy that we go to sleep with, whether that's one in deep connection before we enter um, being unconscious, before we um, welcome in the new day, if we're so lucky to. Um, it's like a practice in living in this devotional state connected to the light and to God. Um, and in your own life, um, how have you navigated um, trials or tribulations that come up in um, living this devotional life and being connected? Or is that one that's more seamless for you? Well, you know, trials and tribulations come to, uh, the higher purpose is to awaken us to some, some deficiency or something that needs attention in our life, you know, uh, or it comes about because as, as a way to just draw us closer, I mean, ultimately, I believe a trial and temptation is there to uh, to draw us closer to God. You know, it's a time to either we're going to draw closer to God or we're going to fall in, you know, to despair because of the trial or into some, you know, uh, dark activity or some immoral activity, some, you know, ungodly activity. But it's really a t trials and temptations are are um, really a time of testing for us to see what what are we really made of because it's like stretching it's like you know putting iron into the fire um, if if you keep it in too long you know it destroys the iron if you put it in just the right amount of time it strengthens it you know it tempers it and I believe that's what God does with us is that, you know, he puts us in the trial. He knows exactly what we can take and what's going to strengthen us. And as long as we cooperate and look to him through that time and we don't rebel against him, then we'll come out stronger. But if we rebel and say, no, I'm going to stay in this, you know, temptation, or I'm going to stay, you know, I'm going to go against your will because God, even though God is sovereign, all powerful, he respects our, our will. He respects our sovereignty and he won't do anything against our will. Uh, in that sense, he does every, you know, out of love, he respects us. So, uh, so we can make choices that will destroy us or bring us down, or we can make those choices where we're trusting in him to say, you know, I don't understand what's going on here. This is really hard. 
uh, you know, this is difficult, but please help me through it. You know, and and if we look to him, then he'll help us through it. But if we don't look to him, if we rebel against him and say, why are you doing this to me? You know, I hate you for this. Or why are you so mean to me? You know, wh what have I done to deserve this? You know, that sort of thing. And, you know, it's going to be a failure and we're going to have to, you know, we'll go through that. That'll be a cycle that continues through our whole life until we break that cycle by turning to God in repentance and humility. Yeah, and I feel like because that could almost be like fear inducing, like, OK, if I don't make the right choices now, like I'm going to pay for it. And that can be the reality of it. But I think because I'm thinking of a lot of people I've spoken to that claim to be atheists or have no belief because if God is so powerful, then why does all this suffering occur? Or if God is who everyone thinks he is, he's a forgiving God. He's a just God. Um, and I think of like specifically the atheists because some that come to mind have shared with me that because of that fear inducing belief, like I have to live a good life or else I'm going to be punished by God. That's really created by organized religion, the ways that sins are used against people and the way that, um, churches, like I just think of organized religions, how they, um, manipulate people through the scripture and through the word of God. And it leaves this greater sense of fear than connection to God. Um, so how can somebody like work through that and really connect? Like how you mentioned you, you're referencing the scriptures, but you're not like, you're not a part of these organized religions. How can somebody find the truth that resonates most with them? A part of organizations. Yeah. Well, I mean, or everything has organizations, you know, in the sense that, I mean, everything that works right has organization. Everything in nature, you know, there's there's a form, there's a function, there's a frequency. Everything is is made in a perfect way, in a natural way. If it's not a natural way, then there's issues. So there can be, so it's not a matter of of not being part of an organization because if we if we reject organization, we we reject, we we embrace chaos you know, or, or we embrace brokenness, you know, because brokenness is really being in a state, in a form, in a formative state that's not congruent with what the creator made in the first place. That makes sense. So, uh, so there is, so organization is something that all of us thrive on when it's proper organization. And yeah, so the problem with the religious, with all organizations in America, all of them, or, and in the world, in the you know, in the world at large, they're corrupted, they're broken, and so to be a part of them, you know, it's like we, it's necessary. It's like the city has organization, and the state, and the federal, you know, all we have organization to keep us in a in a state of you know security, right? But but it's all broken, you know. It's so. So that is so, but we don't throw out the organization just because it's broken. We just try to fix it if we can, or we accept it and try to thrive, you know, in the midst of all this brokenness. And that's really all we can do. Um, but within the, but there is one organization which is perfect, and that is the church. Now, when I say that, I don't mean, uh, I mean an, a, a physical entity and a spiritual entity. They're one and the same, just like us. You can't separate our spirit from our flesh until we die and then they are separated and you know but without your spirit your flesh is just a blob of, of matter right that's on the earth 
Um, so, um, so the perfect organization is both spiritual and physical. And there is a church. It's the Orthodox Church, uh, which is the which is the the it's the body of Christ. It is Christ on earth. Even though Christ is in heaven, you know, at the right hand of God, He's not dwelling on earth in a sense, but He is. He's dwelling on earth through the Orthodox Church. And when you're in, when you're in the in the womb of the church, which is you know within this physical and spiritual womb, you're in a perfect state of being, and it's a, and it truly is a womb in the sense that you're being birthed. You're in a state of being formed, a formative state, and the birthing is when you enter into heaven. And yet, in one sense, we enter into heaven. In one sense, we're already born, and that every time you enter into the Orthodox Church, you're in the heavenlies. But it's only a temporary thing, uh, in one sense. But then, but that's, but when we die, it's not. We're not going to die. You know, in 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 Christ, we won't die. We fall asleep. But when we wake up, we'll be birthed into this new heaven, and and the coming. You know, we'll be birthed into a place where where uh, we will wait for the new heaven and new earth. But we'll be in a place that's away from all this brokenness. So there is that perfect organization. But uh, it's like everything else. We're we're in a time of tremendous uh, upheaval and broken. We're at the end of the age, I believe. We're at the end of of life as it's known on Earth, and I believe that it will end soon. How soon I don't know, but and as a consequence of that, uh, the church is is been assaulted, but it's still here. There still is this small remnant of this perfect organization that exists. In you know, in various geographical locations around the world, uh, so uh, there there is that place where we can find security and comfort and treatment. You know, it's like a it's like a it's like the perfect hospital with the perfect doctors uh, that can take care of our our souls and and help us. You know, in the midst of the battles that we're going through every day in our life. That's refreshing to hear because when I think of all of the things at play, it can be very heavy feeling like this dooms, doomsday or like dooming feeling. Um, so it's refreshing to hear that from your perspective, there is still such a thing. It may not be as common, but there is still a place that has this perfect organization. And for something that isn't um, accessible um, on a larger scale, as you said, that there are some locations geographically, how can one access um, that connection um, to what lives within the church, within oneself, without the physical location? Well, when, when Christ, the, the Christ's last words to the apostles were, Go forth into all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So baptism is a physical uh, exercise. You know, it's something that God, that Christ commanded. And and um, and it's, so it's a requirement. It's like that is the physical means to accomplish uh, a spiritual goal. It's like, again, you can't separate. Everything is connected. You know, it's not either or. It's both. And so when we're baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, 
we're we're immersed into the waters, into these waters that are uh, spiritually endowed waters that are physical, but they're spiritually endowed with the with the grace of God. To where when we go down into the waters, we're we're buried with Christ. It means that we're dying with Christ. We're dying to our old ways, and and we're coming up. In, in a newness of life in Christ. And so that's a physical thing that has to happen. So it has to happen in one of these organized places. So that's something that that you, that has to be sought out, you know, so it can't, no man is an island. Um, we, we, uh, we are not autonomous. We, we have to, in order to accomplish salvation we have to connect with others we have to we have to be part of this organization and we have to even you know we have to submit to the authority because every organization has authority right and so that authority or or the priest you know and so we have to submit to them but not out of fear or out of this you know power thing it's it's a matter of it's like availing ourselves to a doctor. We trust in a doctor, you know, I mean, sometimes we have to get surgeries and we trust somebody to put us asleep and what's going to happen to us while we're asleep. You know, we put a lot of trust in doctors if we need surgery, right? That's a, that's a, you know, that's a humbling experience uh, because you're subjecting yourself to somebody else saying, I trust in your expertise and professionalism to be able to fix me. And so this is something that is within the church as well. And of course, in the world, you know, you you might come out better, better person. You might, you know, you might come out crippled. Who, who knows? Um, because of brokenness. And but within the church, in this perfect organization, we're still dealing with imperfect people. But yet, uh, but yet, this is where God protects. And so, the the priest is like a spiritual doctor, and we entrust ourselves to them for help and healing it's not like we give ourselves over to them blindly or mindlessly but we we trust in them as being part of god's provision for helping us because we we need their you know what they are able to provide to us because of what god has gifted to them you know in their role within the church so we we that's it's an absolute necessity that we have to enter into this, you know, we have to be baptized. And from baptism, there's chrismate. There's all these mysteries that occur because once you're baptized, then you're chrismated. And that means that you're sealed by the Holy Spirit of God so that the demons can't touch you anymore. You have a new power within you that will protect you. And of course, it's only and as long as we cooperate, you know, as long as you walk the walk and, you know, and, and live the life, they can, uh, you know, they can attack you, but they can't, you know, but it will only be by God allowing it so that you can become a stronger person. But you're no longer at the, you're no longer subjected and tossed to and fro. You know, you're empowered from on high with the Holy Spirit of God and you're protected by the Holy Spirit of God. And you're sealed with the Holy Spirit of God so that you're able to live the rest of your life in a very victorious, joyful and hopeful manner. It's a lot like um, because it's a lot of like trusting and working with the unseen energy and faith in God. Um, and in your ebook, uh, you had mentioned the kind of energies with which we surround ourselves will have an influence on our quality of life. And even though we may not be able to avoid exposure to many of the toxic energies surrounding us. We can negate or minimize their effects by learning to think and live in a manner that is not controlled by the mainstream forces of media, 
medicine, banking, business, education, energy, technology, and government. Um, originally, when I had read this, I had wanted to ask, what does this look like on a tangible level? Because the energy is not tangible. It's really in the unseen world, um, but it can be felt. So now, like after hearing um, everything you've shared about God and connecting with the God man, is there anything regarding the type of um, thoughts we have that go beyond the connection to God that can help influence us in a positive way? You, you mean, is there a way to protect ourselves apart from, from God's influence in our life? So yeah, like, is there anything beyond the connection with God? Because, like, I had thought of this question when reading it from um, your ebook, but after having this conversation, it kind of shifted because I arrived to, like, no, it's just that connection to God is it. You know, like, that's really the answer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Uh, you know, I think a man can be, or a woman, a human being can be very wise and knowledgeable in things of this world. And I think there are many people out there that can discern, you know, they identify things that are wrong and, you know, they can, and sometimes, you know, their remedies are right on. Sometimes they're, you know, just like any remedy, some are very powerful and some are not, and some are appropriate for one situation, but not for another. So, yeah, I think there's all kinds of ways to be able to, to deal with, the assaults against us from all these different levels of authority and, and of culture that are in the world. And, and that will allow for us to have some sense of peace and stability while on this earth. But ultimately, it's all in vain. If, if this is all there is, then it's all in vain because we're all going to die. And, you know, I mean, today may be the last day of our life, or maybe 10 years, or maybe 50 years. We don't know. We have no idea when our life is going to end. But if we're not connected with God, it, it, uh, none, of this, none of this matters. It's all in vain, because we're meant to live forever. And if all we're doing is preparing for this world and not the next, then it's it's just vanity. Yeah, it's shallow. Yeah, eat and drink for tomorrow, you know, eat, drink and be merry for tomorrow we die. You know, it's like just live your life to the fullest because this is all there is and it's going to be over soon. So, you know, and but it's not true. That's a lie. It's not going to be over soon. And it's not just about eating and drinking, being merry and being happy. You know, it's not just about being healthy in your body or even in your thinking, you know, and and living a a peaceful life without being, you know, assaulted by all this craziness around us. It's much more than that. You know, uh, it's about eternity because we're, we're not meant to die. We're meant to live forever and we can fix that, but it, you know, it takes doing what, what we've been discussing here. Yeah. It really takes like realizing that and breaking away from the different systems that are in place right now to fool us into thinking that we have to like reach this level of success here um, during our lifetime that's really based in 
greed yeah separation. like all things that aren't the true or like our essence our soul's essence or this eternity that you know you speak of um we're just so hyper focused on reaching that level of success like the instant gratification and getting more and more to enjoy just this momentary experience that we have in this lifetime yeah and that ultimately comes from um trying to fill a void through that lack of connection that can be present um with god um, which makes our efforts shallow mm -hmm. and um ultimately unfulfilling and when achieving them so in terms of what you're doing now with um greenfield water solutions how did you connect um, what you're doing now with your company, with continuing your research um, and being a pioneer really in something that's very new um, in this way? How did you connect that to um, how your connection is with God and your purpose here is in serving the bringing in um, eternal life? Yeah. Well, I you know, our vocation is really just a matter of working out our salvation. You know, it's part of this, our process of being saved from that which we've fallen into, you know, which is troublesome waters that can drown us. And, uh, you know, for instance, I don't work to make money, although I make money, you know, I mean, but that's my focus. My focus is is to accomplish that which God has created me to accomplish and to do the work he's given me to do. And I believe he gave me this. I know he gave me this work to do. And yet, and it's here in one sense, it's it's a ministry of mercy and that I'm endeavoring to to provide people with with. Components that can correct their water problems. And so that that in a physical sense, that's, you know, it's an it's a ministry of mercy. It's helping others, uh, and and then also it's it's an opportunity every day and in every interaction I have with people. Uh, you know, there there's temptations to be greedy. There's temptations to to be disrespectful of a you know of a customer who I could perceive as you know being a nuisance or something, or uh, you know it could be uh, stealing. You know, I mean charging more than I should, or or you know or or not telling, you know, or if I owe somebody money and I don't pay them back or something, you know, I just kind of let it go and think I'll wait for them to contact. You know, there's all kinds of situations throughout the day where I can be tempted to do things that are not moral or right or, you know, where I'm not loving my neighbor and I'm not honoring God. So it's really, that's what I see my vocation as also. It's, it's you know, it's not black and white. It's everything has, everything in nature, everything God created has multiple purposes, multiple facets to it. So, so that's, yeah, that's kind of the, what, how I see it. So it's, it's, uh, you know, it's very, it's a continual trial and temptation every day in various, because every time we react, every time we interact with people, you know, we contend towards judgmentalism or lacking mercy or, uh, you know, just not doing what's right not not acting in a spirit of love and so that's a challenge in every situation because you know i i wish i could say i was a perfect man but i'm not you know i i have to learn every day i'm learning what love is and so i that opportunity is occurring through my work and how do you define love 
Well, the, you know, the perfect, God is love, right? That's what he is. He's pure love. And so if I contemplate on him, which I do every day, and then I can be open to that, what that love is and how that love manifests itself. So I've, you know, I read examples like with the great saints of God, the great heroes, you know, those that, that accomplished great things and were, you know, that they were very serious seekers of truth. You know, they're examples of love. I read about them every day. You know, we commemorate uh, various saints or heroes of the faith every day. So I read about their lives and it's inspirational. And I go, you know, that's something I would, you know, I need to emulate that. I need to do what they, you know, do the same thing. Or, you know, as you read the scriptures, you see that's, it's, you know, the life of Christ is, is a life of pure love, pure love. There's nothing, it's unadulterated. So as I contemplate his life, as I contemplate, you know, the mother of God who was the, she was the pure source of love to God, you know, which is a great mystery in itself, that God was born of a woman and that woman nurtured God. You know, God, you know, she gave God milk from her own breast and, you know, gave him life. I mean, who, who can, can't fathom that? And so just her her sacrifice of being willing to give birth because it was a it was a willing a voluntary act on her part to be seated by the holy spirit of god and to give birth to god you know uh it's a it was a great it was a you know an act of sacrifice um so yeah so it's just that's how i have no love is just by communing in this community of love, you know, dwelling in this community of love so that when I go out into the world, I can practice those, those, uh, th those examples that I, that I, that are in my family, in my community, in my, in the privacy of my own home. That's so beautiful. I love that. Um, and to just go back to your, what you were speaking about vocation, um, do you believe that we all have one that we're here to um, do that is ordered through God? Although there are um, temptations, as you said, on a daily basis to um, ensure that we remain on track and helps us grow our connection. In terms of um, someone who's seeking to do um, what they're here to do, but aren't sure as to what that is. What does that look like navigating that? Yeah, because I was thinking when you had asked the question, what came up was like somebody who is really on pursuit of living out their life's purpose uh, through through their work, but not either knowing what it is or having had the opportunity to act that out. And then like they have a like a retail job or a restaurant job, you know, like something like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I, th I think it's just a matter of priorities. You know, the number one thing that we need to be concerned about is our relationship with God, our connection with God, be becoming one with God. You know, that's what he, and that that happens through Christ, who's the bridge, the God-man. You know, uh, he is our, he is the one who is the bridge or the door into or that oneness with God. And so, that that's the once that occurs then everything else will begin to fall in place because that's it's like the pyramid that's you know i mean we need to start with the most important priority and and once we do that you know 
everything else will fall into place, whatever it is, you know, that you'll see whatever God, you know, whatever, whatever place you're at, you can, you'll be able to practice, you know, it's, it's just practicing the presence of God, whether you're washing dishes or serving tables or uh, nursing, you know, you're practicing the presence of God. He's with you. And everywhere you go, you just want to be a, a conduit of his love, a vessel through which his love flows to others. So it really doesn't matter where you are. What's, what matters is how you treat, how you interact with those in your environment, wherever that is. That's so powerful. Yes, because I feel like there's this constant quest and seeking of things. Like we make it so complicated, but that's such a simple way of grounding in. Like you can accomplish your mission, whatever that is. And like how you beautifully said, it's through that connection of God everything is going to seamlessly flow once you have that strong connection and something outside of what we are perceiving in this 3d reality yeah and the faith because it's it goes back to the faith through the connection mm -hmm. which eliminates the voiding like the void that one could feel or the questioning or the uncertainty um the ungrounded feeling we can feel or lost um, and it puts us on a more seamless path that's guided through um, having priorities that align with what God desires for us, which comes first through um, prioritizing the connection. I love it. Yeah. Gary, you're so cool. <laughs> you really bring an easy, like a simple digestible approach to such a grand concept. Again, like I just keep thinking for my personal life, how I overcomplicate um, this seeking of truth and seeking of knowledge and like trying to live out my dharma or my life's purpose when it doesn't have to be that complicated. And a question that I had for you was what will it take to make this great change in all, like every single person's reality to get to this new world that everybody speaks of and that we desire but like this whole conversation has really summed it up. It goes back to the simplicity and the profoundness in just having that connection with the divine creator of us, God. Yeah, it eliminated a lot of questions that I had throughout um, this whole time that we've had together, um, just in through your answers. Um, it really highlights the magnitude of the power that exists and how it's truly the all-encompassing power and nothing could be greater from that, um, what is missing is just that connection, um, that devotion, that willingness, that being open and receptive um, that uh, many of us can lack through the fast paced reality um, that we're living in this modern day um, that's having us chase these um, vain um, sources of success that ultimately mean nothing. Mm -hmm. Right, yeah. It's just great. <laughs> You're just really cool, Gary. We're big fans of you. And yeah. we just really appreciate that you um, wanted to join us again after we had offered you to come on again. Um, we're just like stunned, I guess, <laughs> by all that you've shared. And as um, we do wrap up, is there anything that you haven't shared that you would like to share with our listeners? You know, I, I think you summed it up in the end there that that it can all be so much simpler than what we're making it out to be. And, you know, it's 
God invites us all, you know, come, you know, come into the waters. You know, it's like the water is there. It says, come and join, join me in the waters. You know, come, you know, bathe in the waters with me. And that, that bathing begins with baptism. And as you, as you are immersed into those waters, it, your life will begin to change. That's the moment your life changes. That's the moment that the Holy Spirit comes to fill you and to begin. And then your journey will continue in a state, even though we, we journey our whole life, right? We're always, you know, for most of us, you know, we're seeking, we're seeking fulfillment. We're seeking truth in various ways. And some of us are doing it broken ways. You know, we're seeking it through, through, you know, activities or drugs or whatever, you know, or vocations or relationships. We're always, but, but the journey, when it changes, when, when we begin to go in the right direction, it's when we are uh, immersed into those waters that God has, has provided for giving us new life. And once we have that new life and we're empowered by the Holy Spirit and we are immersed in the body of Christ, the body of the God-man, the body of our creator, we become one with him. That's when we're still in a broken state, but but now we're on this journey that that is going in the right direction and it's heavenward and it's a supernatural, mysterious thing because we're 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 superseding uh, our own bodies and in our spirits were rising up into the heavens. Actually, thank you for that. It actually brings up one question. If, you, if anything comes to mind to answer, um, how has all that you've shared, um, if you can give an example in your personal life, how this connection has aided you in navigating something that was difficult, whether that's like not having an attitude or navigating a difficult conversation or anything like that, where like your human yeah. ego could have stepped forward sure. and how this connection overcame that. Yeah, I think what happens and what's what happens on a routine basis is it's in relationships. You know, somebody doesn't show up when they're supposed to show up for for a job or somebody doesn't call or somebody does something uh, or I'm told that somebody is doing something that they may be doing or not, you know, an employee saying one thing about another uh, and tending to want to think the worst, you know, or to judge them or to, to say, oh, you know, they're acting like this, da, 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 da. Whereas, you know, my attitude is it should be hope all things, believe all things, uh, and, 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 and endure all things. And that, that is a def that's part, a partial definition of love. So rather than assuming that that person is, you know, is doing something in a, you know, that's negative, I should just say, Hey, you know, I don't know. They didn't call or they didn't show up. You know, I, they must've run into some kind of problem, you know, that, you know, it's not their fault. You know, it's like, uh, hope the best, believe the best, and think the best. So that, so that's in all my relate, and that's something that's challenged with every day in relationships, whether it's with people that are our best friends or people that we don't even know. It's you hope the best about that person, you believe the best about that person, you you think the best about that person, and by doing so, then then it's all positive, it's all good, no matter what happened, even even if if you know, things work out different than what you thought. Still, you just continue to hope the best, think the best, 
and and do the best. So that's that's love. That's you know a partial definition of love. Just so it's always and that's inspiring because that energy towards others will encourage because you know you're not being judgmental. You're not you're not being harsh. You're not being unkind. You're not being impatient. You're just you you just want the best for others. And it's no different than the way we treat ourselves, right? That's where I think. You know, we're, you know, the, the one commandment says, love your neighbor as yourself. We don't love anybody more than we love ourselves. We love ourselves. We want the best for ourselves. We hope the best for ourselves. When we do things wrong, oh, no, I didn't really mean, you know, we really, you know, for the most part, that's how we think of ourselves. And that's how we ought to treat others, you know, in the same way. Wow. We're short on time, but I have one follow-up question, if you don't mind, <laughs> is how do you navigate that space and being one with all of these teachings that God has for us without feeling or becoming a doormat to someone else? Well, you know, the, the Lord did say if, you know, if you're smitten on your, on, on your right cheek, you know, turn the other cheek. If somebody asks of your shirt give them your coat you know if somebody sues you for for you know for something give them even more than what they sued you for now th those things are some of those things are hard to fathom but ultimately it's 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 really a manifestation of god's character because look at how we treat everything he you know we treat god like a doormat every day you know the mo you know, the God who created, it's like our father. It's like treating your own father, you know, with disrespect, pushing him out of the way or spitting on him or, or just ignoring, even, wor even worse would be not even doing those things, just ignoring him, you know? I mean, what could be more grievous to your father or to your mother than not, not to treat them ill, but just not even to, just to ignore them, you know, don't even talk to them. That would be terribly grievous to them because they love you so much and they, you know, so it's not even a matter of acting in a, in a aggressively immoral or, you know, un, ungodly way, you know, it's, it's just ignoring God just by ignoring him. We're, you know, we're grieving him because he wants us just like our father and mother want us to be with them and to love them. At least when we see them, you know, he wants to, that's how God wants to be towards us because he is our mother and our father, you know, he gave us, the you know a mother and a father are an example of his love you know everything that's around us is an example of his love so uh yeah so it really it's not about it's it, it don't don't fret or worry about that just be a humble servant give yourself to others pour yourself out and don't don't worry about oh boy this person's gonna really take advantage well if they do then just rejoice in God and, and contemplate how much he has given to us and how much we take from him. And yeah. He, yeah. yeah. And I feel like it just highlights if someone does do that, they must need it more than we do, whatever it is. Um, yeah. Thank you for such an excellent response. Yeah, Gary, like life-changing again this episode. You share such wisdom, like I said, in such a digestible way that... I'm motivated to be a better person after this conversation. Yes, you have such a gentle, soft touch. Yeah, very powerful. I'm very grateful to have received it today. Yes. Um, glory to God. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, <You're> <laughs> yes we love it. Yeah. Wow. Have a great, beautiful, blessed rest of your day in your life. 
Yes, and again, thank you for rejoining us. Yes. We're going to make sure we list um, your information in the show notes so that if anybody wants to get in contact with you, they can reach your website. Yeah, greenfieldwater.com. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you, ladies. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. Yes, it's been such a pleasure on our end. Thank you for listening. Continue flowing in your own space by simply being. If this resonated with you and you feel called, please be sure to follow us, like, and share. Until next time, wherever you go, give yourself space, space to, to flow. Thanks, guys, for joining us. We were so thrilled to have Gary join us again after our last episode and with what occurred with our last episode with him, which it was removed um, by Spotify. So we're really happy to have him back to share even more wisdom that really helps us all live a more empowered life. And bring the simplicity that we are definitely in need of so that we can stop seeking outside of ourselves and looking for all these different solutions and answers in this made-up matrix and return to the truth of what things naturally are, the simple, natural flow of life. Yeah, and if this message resonates with you, please leave us a comment. If you're watching this on YouTube, we would love to hear from you and to hear your insights on the um, episode or any thought-provoking insights that um, came from it. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, please make sure to rate and review our episode. Yes, so that um, it can reach more people who are in need of this message, although we do trust that it will always find its way. Peace out. Remember, wherever you go, give yourself space space to to flow. flow.